0: Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. I'm starting a series today. And it's a series called Road Trips, and I, I've discovered all through Scripture there are there are different road road trips in the Bible where supernatural things happen. We know the Damascus Road, uh, we know the Emmaus Road, we know the Roman Road, and 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 there are the Bible talks a lot about roads, crossroads, and 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 roads often talk about either destiny. They talk about decision. Uh, they talk about moments, and and God does something on the road. There's something there's something that when we're traveling in the journey of life, we'll come to a fork in the road where maybe we have to make a decision, or or maybe. Maybe we have to come to a point of, of, of choice. And sometimes you're choosing between right and right. You're choosing between right and wrong or any of those things. And today, I'm really believing that God's going to speak to us. So I want to have a look at Matthew chapter 7. Jesus has just preached the sermon of his life. He, he, I mean, he gave it everything. He talked about all manner of issues, immorality, character, uh, wisdom, uh, integrity, having the right motives in your heart. I mean, he covered everything. And as he's bringing it to the end, one thing you've got to know about preachers, uh, a lot hinges on the conclusion. When you're preaching, you can't just... I hope for the best for a conclusion. You'll you'll notice the difference between a great preacher and an immature preacher has a lot to do with how they land the plane. I mean, when I I flew in from Perth last night, the seatbelt sign went ding, and I knew we are coming in for an approach. And a preacher knows how to uh, land that plane and bring bring the thing down in, uh, maybe not down. We want to land safely and well. But, but these messages, Jesus understood how to preach. Jesus was a great communicator. He knew the power of a conclusion. And so he preaches this great sermon on the mount. Blessed are they, those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who work for peace for God or make them his children. He preaches the Beatitudes. I mean, the legendary teaching of Jesus. But then Jesus brings it to an end. And every sermon, I think, should require a decision. He brings a sermon. And towards the very end of his sermon, he says this in verse 13 Matthew 7. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate. Or can I use a different translation? Narrow is the road, and it is difficult. It is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. It is a narrow road. We're talking about a road trip today. I want to talk about the narrow road. Do you know you can live a wide life on a narrow road? Just because you're living on a narrow road where, where, where our morality is in check, where our integrity is in check, does not mean you can't have a big life. You can have a big life. I find often the wider the road, uh, the smaller the life. The, the, the smaller the road, the wider the life. And, and, and I, I really do believe that as Christians we preach a lot of things and, and it's important that we come to some messages like this where we talk about the fact that there are some, every now and then we have to make uh, some choices that require leaving stuff behind in order to serve God. And Jesus, he closes with this distinguishing principle from the idea of the Jewish faith. Often the Jewish faith was about people would just go, it was a numbers game. Wherever the majority went, they would, they would often uh, go with. But in Jewish teaching, what Jesus was brilliant at, he, he used a Jewish style of preaching and teaching, uh, which is called two-way theology. Now, let me explain what two-way theology is, and you'll see it all through the Bible. I'll show it to you in Proverbs in just a minute. Two-way theology means to choose one is to deny the other. In other words, there's no third option. When you choose that, uh, you, you, are, you are choosing against the other. If you choose the other, you're denying that. So it's not like you, you're not choosing one or the other. To not choose one is to choose the other. Are you, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? When I married Donna, I remember July the 4th, we had our anniversary this week, July the 4th, uh, 2009, at, at what is now Edge Church in Findon. I remember I walked down the, well, she walked down the front, I was standing waiting for her thinking she's late again. And, and so Donna comes down and, and I, 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 I pledge my faithfulness to her. I said to her, I said, I said <coughs> excuse me, I didn't say that, in my vows, I said, forsaking all others. I give myself only to you. And then she said the same thing to me. And so my conclusion was simply this. Not only did she say yes to me, which was a very good decision. I think it's one of Donna's wiser decisions. She said yes to me, but she said no to everybody else. A yes to me is a no to everybody else. A no to everybody else was a yes to me. So when she said yes to me, she was denying... 3.75 3.75 billion men. I'm talking about the handsome ones. I'm talking about Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt does not get a look in now because she said yes to me. I think sometimes she has buyer's remorse, but I don't know. One yes was 3.75 billion no's. When you choose the wide road, you are rejecting the narrow path. When you choose the narrow path, you are rejecting the wide path. Are you following what I'm saying? There is no third options with God, and the dangerous thing is, is when our Christian faith starts to use, I guess, some kind of consensus idea that there should be that there should be third options because surely God doesn't demand this of us, and surely God expects us to, uh, you know just choose whatever's right, whatever's good. Can I tell you, in Christian faith, we, we've, got to, we've actually got to get back to a bit of black and white uh, because there's a lot of gray areas that, 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 that we think. I hear people say things like all roads lead to God. No, they don't. The Bible says there is a narrow road and it leads to eternal life. Few there are that find it. All roads do not lead to, to God. I mean, you you can't bow your knee to another name and expect heaven. You bow your knee to another name, you have chosen to not walk a narrow path. That word narrow comes from the word stenos, from which we get the word stent. In other words, it's almost like a a, a closed over point of access that has been pried open just to make enough room for you and I to get through. In other words, it's saying you can go through that narrow way, you can't bring your bags. And I'm not trying to be uh, coarse, but the commentators basically say to get through it, you'd almost have to be naked or wearing next to nothing because you couldn't get your cloaks through. You couldn't get all your stuff through. In other words, God's saying it's forsaking everything. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then you enter a narrow road with that is so wide with possibilities. The Bible talks about in, in a book of Psalms that God will set you in a broad place. It's interesting that I, I believe the narrow road is a broad place, full of hope, full of potential, full of opportunity, yeah, yeah. but it costs something. And a Christianity that does it costs Jesus everything, and 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 sometimes I think you know Christians think it shouldn't cost them anything, but the truth is it's, it's everything. It's everything. It's, it's forsaking everything in the natural. It's forsaking every bit of uh, the world and saying, "God, I choose to follow you. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Two way theology. The book of Proverbs, chapter ten. I just, I just. We're studying this a little bit, and well, firstly, Proverbs fourteen verse twelve. It says this: "It says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death." The Bible tells us in the Book of Proverbs chapter ten. There's just a few different scriptures uh, that, that I, I think show us the idea of uh, two choice theology, a, a, a two way theology. He who has a slack hand, Proverbs ten four, becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. The Bible doesn't give room for middle ground. You're you're, you're either diligent or you're lazy. You you see what I'm saying? Diligence is the absence of laziness. Laziness is the absence of diligence. And God speaks to us often this way. Paul writes to us this way as well. He says, he who gathers, in some of verse 5, is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Let me show you a couple of other verses. Verse 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will become known. Isn't that amazing? What, what, I, I really do believe, right there. If we want to talk about how to walk on the narrow path with integrity, can I just say, as as Christians, I don't think we should look for loopholes. I mean, we should. I mean, we can live within the law, but I think we don't just obey the letter of the law. We do obey the spirit of the law. And I do believe as Christians, we've got to be people of integrity. I don't, I don't lie uh, when I put my tax returns in. I don't lie when I could just get a little bit of extra and, because I want to walk in integrity. I want, I want to walk in integrity before God. I know I've told the story in church before, but a few years ago we, in our old building, we had a, a set which was just a whole lot of uh, light globes hanging at different lengths from the back of the stage. And, and one of our light globes was out in the bathroom. And, and so, so there was a ton of light bulbs that we weren't even using anymore. We'd taken the set down. And, and I thought, Donna goes, you've got to get a light bulb. We need a light bulb. We don't have any light bulbs. So I thought, oh, there's a ton of light bulbs in the side room. These light bulbs were not, not even two bucks. And I remember walking in there. I remember going to get one of those light bulbs thinking I could just take one of those. This is years ago. And it was a defining thing in my life because the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, do not open that door. I'm not talking about physically. He's talking about opening the door where there's a blurred line between what belongs to me and what belongs to God's house. And I've lived realizing from that, I mean, I mean I've, never, I've never stolen anything in my life, but, I, but it was one of those moments because I see those lines get blurred and, and you can justify it. I'm sure if I told everyone in the church, hey, there was some light bulbs lying around, I took one from my bathroom. Not any person in the room is going to get frustrated with that. They're not going to get, oh, Dave, you shouldn't have stolen. the. Light. Most of them ended up in the bin anyway. But the point that I'm trying to make is I knew in God that for me, there has to be a delineating boundary uh, that says, this is the church, this is me. And just because I'm so intimately involved in the workings of the church does not mean I have free access to anything I want because God wants me to walk in integrity when I leave this church. And I think if you compromise in one area, it can spoil every other area. I can walk securely. I'm not not worried about uh, something coming out because I know I've walked clean before God. And and the reality is he who walks in integrity walks securely. But but if if we go on, it says, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers sin. See, see, the law of two-way theology here, God says, hey, it's one or the other. It's darkness or it's light. It's light, or it's life or it's death. Which will you choose? And so he says, choose the narrow path. To not choose the narrow path is to choose the wise path. I want to say a couple of things before I get into the crux of this message. The devil does not choose your destiny. Can I say that again? The devil doesn't choose your destiny. The devil does not decide. Some people think, oh, you know, the enemy's led me. The, the devil ain't leading me down any road. We've got to understand that, that, that we, we can't put our choices off on the devil. The devil has no say in the decisions that we make. Here's, here, here is the bottom line there is a choice that God's put before us, and we've got to choose and say, God, okay, and I, I'm, I'm a believer we've got free will. One of the things God gave, gave, God gave Adam a lot of blessings, he gave him dominion, he gave him companionship, he gave him authority. But he also gave him free will. And you see what Adam and Eve did with free will. But I, I feel like God still offers that to us. What we do with our free will determines so much about our eternity with God. And so I want to have a look at a few things this morning. There's three, there's three elements to this narrow road that I want to talk about today. Number one, it's a road of decision. The Bible says enter by the narrow gate. Make decisions every day. Make a decision what time we'll wake up. What time we'll eat for breakfast, what what we're going to eat for breakfast. For me, it was table-o-plenty muesli with cranberries, which was very good. I also had it for dinner last night. I was hungry. Can I tell you, when you've got the munchies at night, there's nothing better than cereal, I I reckon. Does does anyone else know what I'm talking about, where you just fill up a bowl with milky cereal goodness, and it's like, is it morning, is it night? Oh, we will never know. Make a decision. What are we going to wear? Who are we going to catch up with? How are we... How are we going to plan it? Out? It's just decision after decision. After this, everything's a decision. Yeah, yeah. I have to decide what I'm preaching am I, to, am I actually going to say that? My filter says no, but my heart says yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm jet lagged, the filter just doesn't make it to church that morning. <laughs> but you know, the truth is that we're confronted with choices every day, decisions. And choices are nothing new to those who follow the ways of God. God allows us to decide what choices will be ours, but he encourages us which choices to make, what decisions. I I really do believe that we've got to understand that it's our our choices. You know, there's, there's decisions that we make. I think if a guy robs a bank, when did he actually commit the crime? Did he commit the crime when he walked in at gunpoint or did he commit the crime when he bought the bandana? When he bought the gun, had it in the car, and started? Ro- See, too often we're making our decisions when we've already entered into the into the bank. I, I do believe that a lot of the decisions we have to make start here, and then they have an outworking externally. If we don't make the, it's not walking over the threshold into the environment. It's actually making a decision well earlier than. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because sometimes we go, "Oh man, I didn't have a choice." Yeah. You, well, you made fifty decisions before you made the decision. Yesterday on our flight, we all had to sit down. Coming from Perth, I flew Jetstar, which was my first mistake. <laughs> it charged me seventy-five bucks because my bag was four kilos overweight. I'm very unimpressed with that. But anyway, that's okay. I used George Halleck's credit card; he had left it in. <laughs> but do you know? Do you know the thing that it was crazy? We're on the plane, and the, 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 the federal police come on, and we all had to stay seated. I was pumped. This is exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I love it when stuff happens. This is Adelaide. There's a, every policeman was there. There was like two of them. And you know, they they said, to, they said to, to us, you need to stay seated. There's been an incident on board. One of the guys on the plane slapped the flight attendant across the face. Bad decision. It was not his best decision. Now I understand it's Jetstar. We've all had that urge, but you resist. You resist the urge and you take it to God in prayer. You say, Lord, take this spiteful, smiteful attitude that I have. But the point that I'm trying to make, he made a bad decision. That guy would have spent the night in jail and he's probably going to be put up on an assault charge and never allowed to fly that airline again. Now, what I'm trying to tell you, decisions have an impact. And God's telling us, even here, when it comes to destiny, there is a decision you've got to make to enter a narrow road. And it's a narrow road that leads to life. It's a narrow gate. Few there are that find it. And God encouraged choices all through scripture. With Moses in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 to 20. is what he says, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. I've set before you life and death, yeah. blessing and cursing, choose life. Somebody say choose life. choose life so that you and your children may live. Do you realize your decisions have generational impact? Yes, right, the decisions that I make don't just affect me. They affect Donna. They affect James. They affect Samuel. Yeah. They affect this church. They affect our team. And 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 to be honest with you, the further I go in, in 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 the call of God on my life, it's far more about decisions even than uh, ideas. Often, it's more about yes, no, yes, no. What do you do? I mean, some Tuesdays there are decisions you got to snap, snap, snap. You, there's decisions that I have to make uh, concerning the future of the church, and, and and the reality is the 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 privilege of making decisions, having freedom. Do you know prison, jail is the right to make choices taken off you. Yeah. Freedom is the ability to choose. But when we live by the word of God, although it might seem like we have some bondage because we can't choose all the naughty things we might want to choose, there is such joy and freedom in living wide on a narrow path. Are you with me this morning? I know this is not how we normally teach, but I just feel like God wants to speak to us today because some of us, we make, make, can I I be blunt? Christians can make some dumb decisions. I don't know why I'm becoming Italian. We make some dumb decisions. Yes. Who do we add on the Facebook? book? Do you know, we, we are given this blessing from God to choose. What are we going to do? And you know, this narrow path is a choice every day. And I, I pray we choose life. Because he says in verse 20, when he's talking to Moses, he says, he'll give you many years in the land that he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is generational. What we choose doesn't just impact us it doesn't just impact my choices affect so many people and so do yours and the greater faithfulness you are with your choices god will give you a bigger opportunity to make decisions for more things and choose life are you with me this morning he spoke to joshua and he said in joshua twenty four fifteen, he says choose this day Choose for yourselves this day. He says, if serving God seems undesirable to you, choose th- for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, 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 I find it so inspiring that there's people in church today who are facing their darkest days. They're facing hell, but they're right here, they've made a decision. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. There's people here today that didn't come because it rained a little bit. You've got people who are in storms of life that are in church, hands lifted before God. I, I mean, that, that's, the kind, that's the kind of decisions I want to make. When life's tough, it's easy, to, it's easy to make good decisions. It's easy to worship God when things are good, but I want to choose on the tough days. I'm going to serve Jesus and magnify our God. And, and, and Elijah, there's a choice there. He says to the people in 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah went before the people. How long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. The people said, nothing. The narrow path demands a choice because God says, enter yeah. through the narrow way. Yeah. Yeah. Enter. I'm giving you a choice. Will you enter? There's an entrance. There's a sign that says, enter. Yeah. And we've got to choose. Will we, go through, will, we, will we go through, will we step over the threshold into a narrow path? Or we'll live a, 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 on, the, on the wide path. I pray that as a people, as LifePoint Church, we'd be a people. That choose life, not only, not only, under salvation. Not only the narrow path is not a once-off decision. I believe it is under salvation. We make a decision and get saved, but then I believe that it's a daily decision to stay on the narrow path. Luke nine twenty-three. He said to them, "If anyone would come after me, he must be, deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me." I I believe there's one choice to enter the gate. And that's why he said there's a gate and there's a road. I step over the gate into the realm of salvation, into relationship with Jesus, and then I make a decision to walk that narrow path with integrity, with wisdom, with diligence. And with a good confession, which is speaking the life of God. Are you with me this morning? I know it's quiet here, but, but, but I, I really do believe it in God that we need to be a people who get on that narrow road and go, you know something, the, the, the world's got one set of values right now. The, world, the world's got a million ideas of how things should be. The world says this should be the case. Political correctness says this should be the case. And the church is trying to walk the narrow road. What am I allowed to say? What am I allowed to think? Can I tell you, we've we got to think what the Bible says Think. I, I mean, if God calls something out, we can call it out. Man, I I'm not going to get political here, but do you know, as a church, we, we, we've muzzled ourselves Political correctness is just modern day emotional communism that binds up the church, says we can't say anything. Can I say sin, sin? I mean, there are things that are wrong. There are things that will lead people straight to hell. And the devil's got the church where he wants it sometimes, not commentating on anything because we don't want to rock the boat. Jesus rocked the boat. He got up there and he called out immorality. He called out sin. He called out things. If you want to live on a narrow road, there are decisions you've got to make. There are no's. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying amen. Million no's. And here's can I? I'm, this is old school holiness preaching. We cannot live with a yes in two worlds. Oh, yes, I'm gonna, oh, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. But yes, I want, I want this addiction. I want, I want this, I want this sin. I want, I want a girlfriend on the side. Can I, it doesn't work like that. The Bible says straight is the gate, narrows the way. It's a, it's take up your crosses, lay down everything. People do not want to lay down. If you're visiting, I'm really sorry. But but sometimes as a church, you've got to be real about this stuff and just say, hey, this is everything. This is laying your life down and saying, God... You are you are the center. You are God. I live by your worth. It's a narrow path, but God, it's my privilege to lay aside my flesh. It's a privilege to lay aside my habits. It's a privilege to lay aside my sin. I'm not going to get it right every day, but I'm trying to walk that path. Sometimes I wobble. Sometimes I get it wrong, but God's good because he says, make the choice daily. It's a narrow path. What happens daily? There's a few things that happen daily every morning. When I got up this morning, so did goodness, so did mercy and mercy followed me. I I might not have had my best day yesterday. But God says, hey, here's a new day. Have another go today. Here's a new day. Have another go today. What are you you trying to say? I'm not saying we're going to live with sinless perfection. Not possible. Our names are not Jesus Christ. But what I can tell you is you can walk on this narrow path. Hold on to God because he's walking with you and say, God, help me. Help me live a life that's right before you in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, give God a hand of praise this morning. Number two, it's a road of discipline. I hate discipline in every single form. I hated getting a belting as a kid. I know some of you are feeling sorry for me because I got belted as a kid. I now suffer from a condition, which is called respect for others. All the oldies are like, "Mm mm-hmm. Young people are like, no, Australia says no. Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Time out might work sometimes, but every now and then, anyway, move right along. I don't want to get arrested. It's not illegal. Just just a good little on the backside. Did you get smacked as a kid, Pastor George? Probably could have done with a few more. (laughs) No, he didn't need it. It's a road of discipline. I hate discipline. Some people, Joel Pittman annoys me. I just want to go on the record. I've not said it in church for a long time. Joel just irritates me. He comes up to the church, gets up here and leads. and Got these muscles. I mean, during worship, his pecs are going, the earth will shake and tremble before him. See, these, see his le- I mean, this is like a piece of art. It's like a statue that moves. I bumped into him one day and broke my collarbone. It's just... And you know what annoys me even more about Joel Pittman? Going to the gym for him is his happy place. For me, it's like the flaming gates of hell. I hate the gym. I even I like you, Jim, but you're the only one. Most people... I call my son James, which is Jim, but I hate the gym. Some people like to eat right. I hate eating right. I, I hate discipline. I hate waking up early. Some people, I'm a morning person. No, you, you're a freak. You're not. Amen. Thank you. For, amen. It's a road of discipline. The Bible tells us that we're running a race in First Corinthians nine twenty four. Says, you know, we're in a race, runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who completes, competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown. It will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly, nor do I fight like a man beating the air, but I beat my body and make sure I make it my slave, so that after I preach others, I will not be myself be disqualified for the prize. It's a disciplined race. It's a discipline. We've got to run to win. We're not running against each other, but we are running against the plans of the enemy for our life. We've got to outrun, have a sense of future. It's a a disciplined race. It's disciplined thinking on the narrow road. Maybe if if blessing can come, it says the weapons we fight, 2 Corinthians 4, 10 verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. To demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen, we take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Disciplined thinking. disciplined prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray continually. Yeah. Disciplined study. 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved workman who does not need to be ashamed. Of those who correctly handle the word of truth. Psalm one hundred and five. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light and my path. Everything in this world has two aspects, how it looks in a moment and how it will look in the time to come. Last weekend, we went to lunch in the Barossa Valley. The pavlova looked great at that moment. But can I tell you, the pavlova doesn't look so hot after you've eaten it and it gets into your system and... You just get a little bit more curvy <laughs> moment of sweetness on the lips a lifetime on the hips sometimes the decisions you make in the short term seem great but long term they're not always great decisions sometimes we got to realize that this narrow path involves involves narrow involves sometimes narrow decisions that are, that are tough. It's remember significant pastor said to me David you're going to be defined not by what you say yes to but by, by what you say no to I'm going to close with this it's a road of discipline I do want to say what are we doing on this day to prepare for that day and it's also a road to destiny there is a road which leads to life one road all roads don't the Bible says John 14 verse 6 Jesus answered he said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me Jesus said in John 3 and 16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Believes in him, would not perish. In other words, you believe in him, you don't perish. If you do believe in him, if you don't believe in him, you will perish. Two way theology. There's no third options. Now, I want to encourage us, church, we can't live in we can't live in the grave. Paul Vinton is on our board. He, he always talks to me about success and in leadership and different things on team business. You can't hide in the gray. The gray is not safe. The gray is not the—it's not a space where the blessing of God is. space that really lacks integrity. It, it's smoke and mirrors. It's not a safe place. We've got to live. Christianity is black and white. Christianity, black and white. It's heaven or it's hell. There's no third option. There's no such thing as purgatory. The Catholics, bless their heart, they make some things up. I mean, you're not going to open the Bible and say, Yea, verily, Thaddeus was in purgatory. He wasn't. There's no no purgatory. There's heaven. There's hell. There's life or death. There's blessing. There's cursing. I feel like God's saying to us as a church, we've got to actually come back to that place where where we know there's decisions that have to be made. Some of us, we have to realize we've got to make decisions. We can't just be people who... I've blown around with whatever whatever happens. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, but we've got, to, we've got to make godly decisions. That's how we travel this narrow road. I want to live a wide life on a narrow road. I don't feel like I live in a small world at all. I don't feel like because I serve God, my life's small. I don't feel that at all. I actually feel like my life's so much bigger because I'm serving Jesus. The Opportunities are so much bigger because I serve Jesus. Because I've said no to a lot of things. I find a lot of the things that people worry about saying no to are they're not going to help them anyway they're just going to destroy their life can we can we pray let's stand for a minute i've just loved this service this morning i just felt god here why don't we raise our hands across this place i'm just going to pray over your decisions They' got to guide them The God got to lead you God, it's set you up for victory. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we just lift every person up to you right now. Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just ask you that you would guide our steps and guide our paths and lead us. Father, there's people here today, and there? Decisions that we need to make. Some people are sitting on the edge of challenge, sitting on the edge of if something may be new, decisions they've got to make, Lord, I pray that they'd be spirit-led in their decisions. God, sometimes we decide things and then ask you to bless them. God, help us get that right and talk to you about the decisions we need to make and ask ask you for your hand. You know, those people, they they get in relationships because they want to and they try and squeeze God into it. They make decisions, massive decisions for their future and And it feels good in the natural, so they automatically think it's God. I I, I just want to encourage you, get get clarity on God's will in all the decisions that we make in life. And and Lord, we thank you that even maybe we haven't yet chosen you, you still chose us. (laughs) And God, we give you praise today in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this nine o'clock service. I speak life into it. I speak life into your people. Lord, I speak the blessing of God. In the name of Jesus and Father, we give you praise for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and all the people of God said together. Amen. Come on, can we get the Lord a hand of praise today? Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.